0: Art Bell died this past Friday the 13th at the age of 72. One of the most important radio broadcasters of the modern era, Art Bell was also one of the most mysterious and enigmatic. The legendary pioneer of late-night paranormal programming died at his home in Parump a small, unincorporated community located in the high desert about 65 miles west of Las Vegas. Bell was the original host of the super-successful syndicated overnight show Coast to Coast AM. He semi-retired in 2003, at which point the show's current host, George Norrie, assumed full-time hosting duties. When he semi-retired from Coast to Coast AM, at the peak of his popularity, the broadcasting world was stunned. But Bell continued to host weekends for the following four years. He announced his retirement from weekends on July 1st, 2007, but occasionally served as a guest host through 2010. Now, since then, Bell has occasionally returned to broadcasting only to disappear from the airwaves shortly after coming back. It was kind of a quirky thing. It's not that he was fired from his jobs. He just decided for one reason or another, he didn't want to do them anymore. For example, he signed up to do a show on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, and almost as soon as that began, he dropped out. He most recently launched a short-lived syndicated venture on the dark matter digital network titled Midnight in the Desert in 2015. For a brief moment this time around, it appeared the venture would stick. Art Bell fans around the world were thrilled, including yours truly. What started as an online show quickly was picked up by terrestrial stations all across America. It looked like Art Bell was back. But shortly after launching his exciting 2015 return to radio, within a few short months, he suddenly ceased broadcasting completely, citing harassment by intruders, including an unapprehended gun-wielding stalker, and said he wanted to spend more peaceful time with his family. For years, his shows emanated from his home studio in Parump, putting the remote community on the talk radio map. But he felt tremendously vulnerable in that situation, and he either faced a real threat, or he let his imagination get the better of him. Most industry observers are not quite sure. At the time of the recording of this podcast on Sunday, April fifteenth, 2018, the cause of Bell's death had not yet been reported pending an autopsy. I had the opportunity to interview Art Bell on this very podcast back in the fall of 2015, shortly after the launch of Midnight in the Desert. It was first posted on Tuesday, October 13th, 2015, and it's one of the last times Art Bell gave an extensive interview of a deep dive nature. I'm going to play that interview in its entirety for you now as we pay tribute to one of the most intriguing radio personalities of all time, Art Bell. Welcome to the Michael Harrison Interview, the weekly podcast from Podcast One for media freaks, pop culture aficionados, political junkies, and the philosophically curious. Thank you for downloading this program from Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and the Podcast One app, and for following our Tuesday tweets announcing the names of our weekly guests. To sign up, it's at interview. I can be reached directly via email at michael at talkers.com. If you find this show to be of interest and value, please subscribe to it as well as giving it a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I'll be presenting an uninterrupted conversation with the late Art Bell originally posted on this podcast in 2015, right after this very brief message. From Podcast One and the voice of the American people, it's time to fight back with Barbara Boxer. It's so hard, I think, for the average person who has to get up in the morning to follow this stuff. This is a problem solvable. All we have to do is look around the world. They have made a difference in Florida. It's, it's unbelievable. Listen free and subscribe to Fight Back with Barbara Boxer, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and review. Okay, here we go. An uninterrupted conversation with Art Bell recorded and posted in October of 2015. We talk about the general state of radio and the state of media, along with what led him to come back after retiring from coast-to-coast AM. You'll hear how enthusiastic he was about his new show, Midnight in the Desert, and how determined he seemed to make a go of it as an entrepreneurial venture. Then we get into some of the heady stuff he was known for talking about on the air, including astronomy, quantum physics, and quantum entanglement, the power of collective consciousness, and time travel. Art Bell, i got to tell you, uh, I can't remember how long it has been since you and I last spoke. I think it was over 20 years ago, 23 Probably years ago. Probably,
1: Michael, at some sort of uh, radio conference
0: or something. You were um, doing very well at that time with your uh, nighttime program and uh, your deep exploration into areas that weren't really talked about anymore on the radio. For the sake of the people listening to us who are in the radio industry, and, and this uh, particular program has a inner core of listeners in the industry, and then an outer core of what I call media freaks around the world. And, and, and the, basic, the basic theme of this podcast is rewiring the human nervous system, that the, um, the digital age is actually changing us as a species, and we'll get into that later. But for the sake of the people who work in the radio industry and might not be up to speed can you just fill us in briefly on the timeline between when you had the big nighttime show with Talk Radio Network to the present? Uh, sure.
1: Yeah. So uh, about 2003, I left uh, Coast to Coast AM and uh, Premier Radio. And I stayed retired for quite a time. Um, ended up going to the, uh, the Philippines, spent uh, several years there, and uh, did a little bit of radio from there. But in 2003, that was it and stayed retired until i had an experience with sirius xm uh which last which was brief uh, probably about eight weeks and uh, that was that Um, and it didn't work out for various reasons Um, and when it ended i had a two-year hiatus in other words i couldn't talk to anybody or talk on the radio or you know. In other words, I was banned for two years. And I said, when I come back, I'm going to stream a show for free. And I am keeping my promise. Beginning July 20th, uh, we began to stream something called Midnight in the Desert. And it has been going five nights a week ever since.
0: And I understand that the, the vehicle, the platform that uh, carries you, although when we're talking about the digital world, it's quite different than, you know, the analog world or, or the radio world even. Uh, there's a entity called Dark Matter Digital Network. What is that? That's my webmaster, Keith Rowland. <laughs> okay.
1: We've been together for uh, better than 20 years. And... Um, So he is sort of the middleman. He runs a board there. I run my own board here. And uh, he inserts commercials and, uh, and what have you and then passes it on to the streaming, the big streaming servers that send it out to the world. And let's spend just a moment on digital because that is how this began. And I looked at the world, Michael, and I said to myself, Now, how frequently do I see somebody going down the street, you know, as when you and I were young, with a a transistor plastered to their ear? Mm -hmm. Not so much anymore. So the world is changing. What do they have? Well, instead of that, they have phones attached to their belt or in their purse, Uh, they have tablets, they have computers. We have gone through a revolution, and we hardly noticed. And so I consider all these little phones, whether they be uh, Androids or uh, iPhones or what have you, tablets, these are today's transistor radios.
0: Exactly. And and a number of people agree with you, including uh, yours truly, the only difference being, of course, that um, they don't just have radio shows on them. So you're well. The good true. news. The good news is you can get to everybody in the world. The bad news is so can everybody else.
1: <laughs> it's, well, that's a, right. It's, it's and, a noisy world. Uh, I am joined by many, many, many who are now in this digital world and doing paranormal type shows. Uh, because of my name, I guess I was lucky to kind of jump ahead of the game a little bit. Now. An interesting thing occurred after we'd been on the air for a month or so. We began getting affiliate (laughs) inquiries, you know, radio affiliate inquiries. Mm. Um, Like, for example, KXL up in Portland. And we said, well, we're on the Internet. Well, can we pick it up? Well, hmm, let me think about that. Well, yeah, I, I guess you could, actually. And they began to. And, oh, my, it went very well. And then more stations came along. Another 20 or 25 came along, did the same thing. And then somebody said, you know, we would love to have your show, but uh, you need to be on XDS so we can receive you, um, you know, as we would normally receive anybody. So at that point, we went on XDS and began to feed this digital signal in stereo, by the way, I might add, Mm -hmm. to XDS and therefore to about 4,000 stations stations that can receive it. So I, I don't know what to say, Michael. It's something that uh, that grew by itself. And, uh, and as you know, I've got this wonderful, wonderful... I mean, it's been years and years since I've been on the radio, but I have this grassroots group of people that just supports the heck out of me. And... They sort of spread the word on social media. I guess that's the world we live in now. Social media, and it is now becoming something bigger and bigger and bigger every day. I think you know we're on. We're going to be on KFMB in uh, San Diego. We're on now in um, Denver. I think we're on in Houston. We're on in all kinds of markets. So, (sighs) (laughs) and you're operating. I'm, I'm, I'm here because I love radio. Michael, oh. I, you know, like we all do, I love radio. It's in my blood. I don't know how not to do it.
0: Well, you're operating. You're operating in a very interesting way. I mean, in, in some ways, you're a one-man or a two-man operation, but you're surrounded by the very people you're you're broadcasting to. You have a fan base of very talented people. I've encountered them in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Some of them. I mean, obviously, I don't know all the thousands of people that listen to you or millions of people. But the fact is that you have um, a a community of listeners who um, are operating your affiliate relations. They're operating your uh, YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. They're involved in um, supporting the advertising within the trades and the the industry to let uh, terrestrial stations know you're available. I've never seen anything like that your fans are more professional in dealing with the trades than some of the professional companies I encounter. I've never seen anything so smooth. What a tribute to these people, and thus, what a tribute to you.
1: It is a tribute to them. And uh, they're from here to Australia, uh, to the East Coast. They're just everywhere in the world. And for some reason, they decided to follow me through the years. And, uh, you know, I've still got about, oh, I think I've got 5,000, Facebook friends and about 30,000 followers, and finally I've got a public page now, but uh, these people have really hung in there in all those years hoping that I, I might come back, and I hung in there knowing that I couldn't not
0: come back. So you you, you are... Reinvigorated, aren't you? I mean, yes. Now, were you uninvigorated for a while? Did something happen during those years of retirement? And you don't have to get into details, and I don't want to hear gossip or any of that. But just the general broad strokes. Uh, were you disgusted with radio politically, economically, personally? What happened that made you disappear?
1: Well, um, it depends on the retirement we want to talk about. The uh, the final retirement from Coast was let us say that uh, the folks at Coast to Coast AM decided to go in a different direction with the program. And that pretty much accounts for my final retirement there. Then I as I mentioned I had a brief uh stint with Sirius XM and because of circumstances, Michael, I was unable to really reach my listener base. Mm. Um and I realized that. I realized that, uh, that I couldn't reach them. And uh, even though I was having fun, I realized uh, it didn't have a long-term future. And, uh, and I'll leave it at that. I, 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 I got left you. I
0: think point. it's clear. I think what you just said is clear. And again, I'm not going to dig into that because that would be a waste of the valuable sure. time I have with you. But I do want to ask you one major, major industrial question. Sure. And that is, here you are, a visionary. You've known about the Internet for years, you've touted it, you talk about it, we're going to talk more about its effect upon humanity, and you're utilizing it for this, this reinvigorated next chapter of the Art Bell saga. And yet, simultaneously, you are also starting a new business, a new campaign, and a whole new set of what I think is going to become hundreds of affiliates on what they now call Terrestrial Radio. What's your view of the future of AMFM radio, radio on the internet, and how these two will live together?
1: Wow. All right. Um, I guess, you know, we're in, a, in effect, we're talking about the state of the radio industry. That's right. So I see it now the way I saw it uh, probably 10 years ago. I think I stood up at an award ceremony and I said, you know, I actually. Personally carry a little bit of guilt in that i 'm on over five hundred radio stations and i 'm taking five hundred jobs when I do that, and i 'm not sure that i 'm comfortable with the the gobbling up of radio stations across the country that uh, you know end up in the hands of a few. I actually said that with the president of the network I was working for sitting in the audience, I could see him sort of cringing in mm-hmm. the background. Mm-hmm. Um now we've almost come full circle and these very large companies, not just the one I had worked for, but uh, most all of them are in quite a bit of trouble right now because let's face it, it's sad. I love AM radio. My God, I love it. But it is slowly sort of wasting away, I'm afraid to say. And uh, the the big companies that went out and bought all these stations, Michael, and paid so much for them, are going to end up, in my opinion, within the next uh, few years, uh, divesting themselves of these stations. And I think it's going to be a good thing uh, in the end. In other words, local programming, uh, uh, to some great degree, will return because that is what people want. And that's what makes a station successful is local programming that's not to say there's not room for a, a guy late at night talking about strange things like Art Bell
0: mhm mhm yeah like the- syndication is supposed to be special it's not supposed to be the norm <laughs> Okay. It's, I, I, I definitely fit in that category. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have, I, I, you know, again, I, I, I've been observing this industry a long time. And you know I love radio and I'm a booster of radio. But I'm also pretty honest and candid about what I see because I think that's the only way I could contribute to its future, especially during these perilous times. And there are uh, many local hosts in uh, working very hard uh, in local communities, small, medium, and large, who are far more talented and people who are in national syndication at this present time. (laughs) And the the whole thing has turned over. It's capsized. But um, I I think that you answered it very well, and it it was a tough question, but it was an important question because it lies at the very base of any discussion about AM, FM and digital at this particularly uh, transitional period in the uh, evolution of media and thus the evolution of the human nervous system because media is an extension of the human nervous system. Now, just to get the set, you're back in um, Nevada in the desert. Uh, You're not in the Philippines anymore. You're you're back in the environment that most of the Art Bell fans uh, who know you over the years picture you in. Am I correct?
1: From the high desert and the great American Southwest, uh, just over the hill from Area 51. Same old place.
0: You like living there, do you?
1: It's a place where you can, on a clear day, you can stand and look forty miles, fifty miles to the mountains. It's uh, full of stars at night mm. from one horizon to the other. The Milky Way extends
0: literally from oh. horizon to horizon. It's beautiful. It's been so many years since I've seen the Milky Way uh, with the naked eye. Uh, it just it saddens me. Um, I, I live in the Northeast, but almost anywhere you go where there are cities, you just can't see the Milky Way anymore. And, and really it is quite stunning when you look up at the Milky Way and you realize accurately where the heck we are? It's, it's, a, it's a whole different perspective, isn't it? That's Oh, absolutely.
1: Uh, you look at the Milky Way, and uh, if you want to enhance that view, you can use night vision. Mm-hmm. And you are so blown away by how much you see that, yes, you, you realize what a tiny speck of nothing we are in all of this,
0: and yet we are something. Mm-hmm. Do you know that I have never in my life seen with the naked eye Andromeda? I, it just keeps... It eludes me. I have wanted to get a view of the Andromeda galaxy. And, you know, I'm a fan of astronomy since I'm about seven years old. And I, I've never seen it. I'm sure you could probably see it with the naked eye on a clear night in the desert.
1: Uh, indeed you can. And I've got telescopes. So if you make a trip out here, I'm
0: happy to host you for a viewing session. That would be incredible. I might take you up on that. Now, the idea of dark matter digital network. Um, I gather... Either you're just using that term um, because it sounds cool, but I don't think you do anything for those reasons. I would imagine that you have an interest in dark matter. Am I correct? Well, I
1: do. Um, all of science has a great interest in dark matter. Uh, it fills a great deal of the void that we cannot see with something. Uh, we don't know quite what it is yet, uh, but yes, dark matter is fascinating. Uh, digital, well, that's obvious. And um, a network, um, Seemingly, we are becoming a network as we speak, so it seemed appropriate.
0: Well, the definition of network has certainly changed and is continuing to change over the years, Uh, so I I leave that to uh, our listeners' imagination. But dark matter, dark matter is a very, very interesting concept, dark matter, dark energy, that is at the very heart of astrophysics today. And, yes. and I would imagine also that you have an awareness and uh, an understanding to a great degree, as much as anyone can, about quantum physics. Before I go forward, am I correct that you have an interest in that? I uh, very much of an interest in quantum
1: physics and uh, quantum entanglement. I
0: love that. Okay. So that being said... For people that may not know you directly or hear you all the time or know about you or the general layman out there, uh, there was once a time when paranormal was quite different than normal, when metaphysics was quite different than physics, when science was quite different different than science fiction, when fact was quite different than fantasy. It seems to me that ever since we've entered uh, the latest era of understanding about quantum physics, dark matter, dark energy, all of the quantum entanglement, um, that the line between the bizarre, uh, the freaky, the the fictitious, the imaginative and pure science has become very blurry.
1: It is blurry. Um, And that little speech you gave, you know, could have, if the Twilight Zone were to come back today, that would have opened it well.
0: So how does that, where does that put you in terms of being the master of the midnight discussion about the paranormal?
1: All right. Well, first of all, I guess it's pretty important to know that my show is not and never has been just the paranormal. Okay. Um, I bounce back and forth between hard science. In other words, I might have a theoretical physicist on one night. The next night, I might have a fellow on who's time-traveled or has dispatched a couple of bigfoot the next night i might have somebody well tonight for example i'm going to have somebody on um, that's going to talk about uh... uh about uh, computers and hacking so i'm all over the place i think the central theme is clearly paranormal but you're right michael it's all
0: getting blurred together and and as a result um, you could be doing a science show a, a, an absolute hard science show that would uh, fit the curriculum at uh, Stanford or MIT, and still sound pretty freaky. <laughs> Absolutely. I, and more and more,
1: these scientists are finding links, uh, believe it or not, to uh, the paranormal.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they're they're scientifically explaining the paranormal, which that, is which that, is what's uh, so fascinating. Do you think that within the world of science, the the establishment of science as it exists here in uh, 2015, we're 15% of the way into the 21st century, if you could wrap your brain around that. Mm. Do you think they have their act together? Do you think that they're as prone to be as wrong about things and as dogmatic and uh, parochial and uh, short sighted, narrow minded, and blind as As they've ever been? As they've always been.
1: are uh, michael they absolutely are yesterday i was watching i think cnn and they ran a story saying you know fatty foods now are good for you now <laughs> it's interesting because um they were deadly just a little while ago then coffee was good for you then coffee was bad for you so do they really know all the answers heck no they really don't and um uh, more and more, uh, you, you know, they are scientists, so they want repeatability. But they're beginning to look at these things. Uh, consciousness is a very, very, very interesting uh, a- area. For example, where science and the paranormal are beginning to meet. Mm-hmm. And I began experimenting with the consciousness uh, about ten years ago. I did some, I did some experiments, uh, Michael, that really were. Amazing and a little scary. Uh, Princeton University is still doing a study in which they have these little, what they call them, eggs. And they're placed around the world. And all they are is random number generators. And when they suddenly begin spitting out non-random numbers, uh, the mama computer at Princeton is notified. And as an example of something amazing, uh, let's take 9 one for example. Uh, it just went off the charts at Princeton when 9... Well, actually, Michael, 30 minutes before 9 one began to occur, before the first plane hit the first building, it just went off the chart in terms of... And what they're doing is they're monitoring people's consciousness, their thoughts. Mm-hmm. What's odd is that it occurred 30 minutes ahead of the event.
0: One of the reasons I think for that is the theory that on the quantum level, time goes in both directions, and that the event sent the signal backwards in time to the human consciousness a half hour prior, and people were starting to get riled up and not even know why.
1: Good stuff, Michael. You should do a show like this. After I had the guest on from Princeton and we talked this to death, I said, uh, and this was when I was younger and a little wilder, let's try some experiments. I have millions of people, and at that time there were millions of people listening. Wow. And I said, let's, let's try and, uh, and help out Texas. They need rain badly. There was no rain in the forecast. Let's all concentrate very hard. I said, close your eyes, imagine water beginning to condense and rise and become clouds and then fall. And it worked. And Texas had rain. Uh, They may have had a little more rain than they wanted. Uh, We then did the same thing for British Columbia, where they had fires going on. In fact, we did ten total experiments. Every single one of them worked including uh helping richard c hoagland who had a heart attack and so we went to work on his health and after i did the 10th experiment somebody sent me a email michael and said look what you're doing is working there is a hurricane down in the caribbean let us turn it and i gave that some thought i talked to people at princeton i said look i i'm in the middle of doing these experiments and I'm done because I'm beginning to worry about unintended consequences and by that I mean if we for example turned a hurricane uh, and we successfully did that it might simply go out to sea to warmer water build up and come in and be a, a bigger catastrophe than we would have had had we done nothing
0: or or somebody like you who has command over millions of people who follow you and are loyal to you. If, in fact, this theory uh, is true and, and is scientifically sound, you could then uh, use that power for, for evil. You could create a hurricane and uh, have revenge upon a city that you're angry at.
1: Or worse yet, you might uh, imagine somebody's heartbeat slowing and stopping. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know what's possible. And it scared me. It actually... Scared me.
0: I'm always interested on Super Bowl night. Um, the, I, I'm very sensitive to the feeling in the air when there's the Super Bowl. Eh, the last 10 years I've noticed this, that it's the only nationally broadcast event that has the attention of most of the United States and much of the world right. on one channel. You know, back like the Isle of Lucy days. You know, when when Milton Berle was on, everybody was sure. watching it. But we we have fractionalized media now, so you don't have large audiences of people focusing on one thing. And even election night, you have many channels covering the election, from C-SPAN to CNN. But on Super Bowl night, you have probably the largest concentration of focused human consciousness that you'll have for the rest of the year. Wouldn't it be interesting to conduct an experiment like that? During one of those ten million dollar one minute commercials, and (laughs) see if see if a flame could be you know blown out by the world, or you know it it that would be a a perfect opportunity to really test your theory. I think I think there's maybe a pass missed. Excuse me.
1: (laughs) Maybe a pass missed. Or something else within the game. Oh, oh well, so. that,
0: that, that, you bring up a funny point. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are wishing for that to happen or the yes. opposite. And of course, it depends on whose fan base has the, the brighter flame of consciousness. Do you, think, do you think that different people glow with different levels of radiant consciousness? Do you believe that, uh, that there are bright stars out there in the world of consciousness and then dim I, ones?
1: I do, Michael. Um, I think there are people who are sensitive and who are more sensitive than others, and I think there are people who project a stronger conscious uh, wave, if you will, than others. Sure, just like uh, people are different in almost every other respect we could discuss.
0: So let's go now to entanglement, um, because we could just stay on consciousness. And I again, I, I want to stay within the bounds of the time allotted to us. You have a show yet to do, and we've only scratched the surface. So for the next few minutes that we have, uh, you said you're fascinated by quantum entanglement. For those listening to this who don't know what that is, they've discovered that on the quantum level, particles that could be separated by millions of miles are actually in touch with each other instantaneously without having to have any Controlled I, with, by the they, speed of with light. With
1: regard to the speed of light, right? You know. Now I, I don't know that they've done millions of miles yet, Michael. But the fact is, they have found that once two particles are together, that's the entanglement part. Uh, one is flipping, one is flipping, uh, or they're flipping and flopping together. They call, they call them
0: spin, they call it spin.
1: It. Think of it as a one and zero, one zero, one zero, right. one zero. And once those particles are together and doing their little one zero dance. Uh, at the same time, then you can separate them by as much space as you desire, and they will continue to act in unison. And they will do so without apparent communication. Uh, And if they are communicating, it's uh, without regard to the speed of light. So I think Einstein called it uh, spooky action at a distance, And we still don't understand it, but I'll give you sort of a new little wrinkle on it. Mm. Of course, um, people want to use it for something. And people are thinking, well, can we use it to communicate? And lately they have discovered that it's possible to have these particles not just do a zero or a one, but a twist. Now, that twist that they've discovered that can be done... Uh, they're suggesting may someday allow communication by a uh, quantum communication uh, without regard to the speed of light now that 's the beginning of a whole new world now i that 's new science I, I get an update you know I get science magazine all the time, and uh, that is the latest on quantum entanglement that there is a twisting they have observed that might
0: allow communication. Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be fabulous. And and uh, we would finally have mastery over time and space because we could also travel uh, via these uh, wormholes or, or whatever it is that bring these two things that are di- uh, separated uh, at a distance uh, in a situation where they're not at a distance. I have my own theories about it. Isn't it possible that everything that goes on in the universe, everything that we think is, you know, 14 billion light years away or down the block is really all happening at the same place in the same time, and that through the quantum level in that dimension, it's all the same place, same time? And that's it's why not- and that's why it's easy to communicate without worrying about the speed of light? The answer is, sure, it's possible. and And
1: I think ultimately... Um, as we get quantum computers, and they're certainly on the horizon, there are small working models already. Uh, that will lead to the next step. And finally, I suppose, we'll get to Star Trek's transporter. Mm-hmm. And Wouldn't that be neat? Uh, right. You want to get to Mars? All right. Push your button, and
0: uh, you're on Mars. Now, you know what's interesting, Art? The conversation that you and I have just had really sounds like a couple of really whacked-out guys fantasizing but the truth of the matter is for for the uninitiated for people who don't follow these things everything we just talked about is stuff that's being talked about in even more depth and even more wacky in the lecture halls of the major science universities uh, of the world
1: oh yes uh, the world's best theoretical physicists might sit down and listen to the conversation we just had and for the most part they'd be nodding their heads they might pick apart some of the last part I, I mentioned about tele, teleportation, but, uh, because that's still not visible. But uh, it's something they can see down line somewhere. So
0: they'd be nodding their heads, Michael. Mm-hmm. So, so as we come to the, the final segment of our discussion, uh, what about the other stuff? Um, do you find yourself sometimes just not wanting to entertain some of the stuff that you might, in your own opinion, think would hurt your own credibility with the people that enjoy the kind of stuff we talked about now? Are you concerned about credibility uh, and the credibility and the plausibility of the subject matter of your guests? Do you have standards in that regard?
1: I have always been somebody who allows a person as much rope as they need Michael mm-hmm. I, I try to get credible people on, but I know some of them are not, and uh, some of the ones who are not become entertainment and uh, that's the <laughs> same for callers actually Michael mm-hmm. they uh, they become some of them are very bright, many of them are bright I'm so thankful for that in this incarnation of the show by the way um, uh, and then some are not and uh, you can always a good talk host in my opinion can Always make something out of a call. They can make it informational, they can make it educational, they can make it funny, they can make it into something.
0: And storytelling is such an important part of talk radio. It sure is telling a good story in conclusion. how do you like the way I work toward the end here i 'm I'm dragging you out a couple of more seconds be and I am sensitive to the fact that you have a show to do um, but, uh, but this is a show too, and um, so many people are, are obviously enjoying hearing you. What are your favorite topics and what are your least favorite topics within the realm of the paranormal?
1: I think my favorite topic is time travel. Mm. I mean, clear, far and away, uh, time travel would be my favorite. But beyond that, I have many, many favorites. Gosh. Um, and and again, it's not all paranormal. What I do is I jump between hard science, ridiculous stories, and open lines. Every Friday I do open lines and then look out, anything goes. And, you know, I I think was it last Friday I set up a special line for I'm married to an alien line. (laughs) And I had uh, husbands and wives and husbands and wives at the same time calling me and explaining how their spouses were indeed aliens. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. So I'm all over the place with the show. I think it's always been the beauty of the show. Now, this program, uh, Midnight in the Desert, is a lot different because, well, frankly, the content is uh, better. Uh, we're only allowing four minutes for affiliates, and uh, I'm sure that'll cause some grumbling. But it results in a lot more content, Michael. Mm. I, I think it's better content. Uh, we don't do infomercials, ah. um, so we're a horse of a different color. Um, yeah, that's so good. What we are going to be is we're going to be a ratings
0: magnet. I have no doubt about that. And I'm glad to hear that you're very sensitive to the commercial content because I think, back to the realm of broadcasting and the industry, the biggest challenge uh, facing commercial radio is the commercial. (laughs) We have have to figure, what do we do with a commercial to be commercial? Because I I just think that um, time is more valuable than money to most people today. Time is so valuable, and to sit and give yourself over to eight minutes or nine minutes of commercials between segments of content is just asking too much of people and it it breaks the flow. It just just totally breaks the flow. One of the things I love about this podcast that I have the good fortune of doing uh, is that there's no break. Once I start a conversation with someone, it goes all the way through and it comes to a conclusion and uh, there's none of that nonsense. Uh, We pay the bills any other way we can, but the point is that As we go forward, I don't think the public, I don't think people have the tolerance for the old-fashioned commercial break paradigm.
1: Okay. Here's a little uh, hint for everybody about the way things are going. We have, um, I'm not going to give you a number, but a lot of people who subscribe to our podcast. And we have a lot of people who listen to the live program, which is 9 to midnight Pacific time or midnight to 3 Eastern. But guess what? Uh, we are on the edge of having more people subscribe to the podcast than we are listen to the live show. It's not quite there, but it's almost there. And that tells you what, world, what kind of world we live in right now. People want content when they want it. And uh, I, I knew it was true the other day when I saw that, uh, uh, that AT&T ate DirecTV. And now all of a sudden you can see any TV you want on your phone.
0: And this, these changes are not going backwards. They're, we're only at the beginning of this change. It's going to continue to go in, in that direction. I'll leave you with this thought, and I'd love your reaction to it. I feel that the digital age... And I do believe the digital age will only last about 50 years, and it will give way to the quantum age, because you talked about it before. Quantum computers are going to make everything we do today seem clunky. Uh, As modern as we think we are, we're going to be clunky in 50 years compared to the quantum age. But I believe that this new age is rewiring the human nervous system and that we are rapidly becoming a technologically enhanced telepathic species. Does that ring true to you? Well,
1: um, if we're telepathic, then somebody better prove it to Randy. Um, I'm not sure if we're telepathic. It may be that we are in the presence of beings who are telepathic, and it may be that we're headed in that
0: direction ourselves. And there you have it, an uninterrupted conversation originally posted on this podcast back on Tuesday, October 13, 2015, with one of the true legends of modern radio, one of the greatest and one of the most enigmatic, the one and only Art Bell, who died at the age of 72 this past Friday, April 13th, 2018. He will be sorely missed. Thank you for downloading this program from Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and the Podcast One app, and for following our Tuesday tweets, announcing the names of our weekly guests. To sign up, it's at mh interview i can be reached directly via email at michael at talkers.com if you find this show to be of interest and value please subscribe to it as well as giving it a positive five-star review on apple podcasts the michael harrison interview thank you for listening the michael harrison interview is a presentation of podcast one produced by good phone communications in association with talkers magazine copyright 2018 all rights reserved Thank you.